0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Grafham. How are you doing, Don?
1: I'm doing well. How about you? Doing great. All right. Well, let's just dive right in today and get after our content. Today, we're going to be talking about staff commitments. So when you think about team or staff culture, uh, what comes to mind?
0: Well, first of all, the Seattle Seahawks. Come oh, <laughs> I'm from the state of Washington, uh-huh. and so they have a very distinct team culture, built off their head coach, Pete Carroll, he's got this phrase, always compete. So every play, every practice, it's an opportunity, whether you are the best player or the worst player to always compete. They have a great team culture. And of course, if you don't like that one, the New England Patriots, I know not a lot of people like the New England Patriots, but they have something called the Patriots way. Mm. It is a very distinct culture, kind of private. You don't hear a lot about it, Mm. but you hear often that people, when they come from whatever team they come from, they have to adopt the patriots way.
1: Hmm. What about the bears? How does uh, I don't think they have a great team oh, teacher, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a child that. of the it's 80s, kind of so we...
0: Yeah, yeah, I was I was born in the 80s, yeah. So, thanks. yeah. thanks, for that. <laughs> um but of course, you'm know, taking it aside from sports. I think about Chick-fil-A. And we've got a few Chick-fil-A's here in Minnesota now. Mm -hmm. It's starting to make its way here. And of course, they have a very distinct culture.
1: They sure do, yeah. And a good one. The Chick-fil-A way. (laughs) And you learn it the first day when you get there about the importance of serving others. And it's it's such a great, great culture.
0: Yeah. And culture can be defined in all kinds of ways. The way we're going to set it up today, it's a set of shared beliefs, practices, and values that are actually lived out. So of course, let's take this biblically. Jesus and his disciples had a very distinct shared culture. There was a set of beliefs, practices, and values that they actually lived out. So mm-hmm. l- let me ask you a question. What do you think makes a great culture?
1: Yeah, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that it has to, it has to be contagious. I mean, it can't just be one person that has that. And you think about a, a good cold, a bad cold, it's contagious. It keeps getting caught by other people, you know, before you know it, it's viral. And that's actually a sign of a good culture is that it's contagious. It's being spread throughout uh, all the people and that people are- And people want
0: to be a part of it. They,
1: they want to be a part of that. So that's one is that it's contagious. The second is that it's clear. There's a clear vision, there's clear direction, and therefore everybody's kind of going the same way. There's alignment around that. Because how frustrating is it to not know-
0: if you're actually heading in the right direction. That's right. People don't want to be a part of that. That's right. They want right. to know if
1: they're succeeding It's not. hard to create a culture if people are all going different directions. And then and then finally, I think there's a lot about teamwork and fun. You and I both grew up playing sports all the way through. We love teamwork. We love fun. And I think uh, a good culture has a good dose of teamwork and fun along the way.
0: Absolutely. And we have some fun here at Eagle Bird Church, don't we?
1: We sure do. <laughs> yep. I often think, oh,
0: I hope that people don't see us playing those little jokes on each other and stuff. And uh, if they only knew the kind of things that we, the antics that we pulled on one another. But that's I that's know. a part of creating a
1: great culture. That is, and I think that's you right. want to It's a part, that's of that. part of who we are. Yeah, and people oh, should know that. And so,
0: turning this on our church here at Eaglebrook Church, um, how how did we go about attempting to create a great staff culture?
1: What yeah. do we do? Well, I, I think what it looked like for us is we had a group of people that essentially locked themselves in a room for uh, many hours and they just hammered out when a person is successful on our staff, what do they do? What are the attributes of a thriving staff member here? What are the commitments of that person? And you kind of see that there's a pocket of people who are successful within our culture, on our team. What are the commitments that they have in their life? And so they This team whittled away and developed five different kind of words, phrases that are commitments that we now have a visual for, and we hand it to anybody coming on staff and we remind our staff of these are the commitments, these are how we, these are the commitments and how we operate as a team, and it's therefore creating a culture on our staff. And it's been really an effective tool for us.
0: Yeah, when we bring on new employees, I often say to them, and I get the opportunity to teach that new employee class once every six weeks or so, I often say to them, this is what we're committing to you, right? but now that you're on board, you are also making this commitment to me, Mm. these five commitments. It is now a mutual exchange to make this a great staff culture. And as soon as they come on board, they're a part of making sure that this is a great staff culture. So for those of you, wherever you're listening from, if you can, for just a moment, picture a circle. Mm -hmm. And again, we're going to attach this this picture in our show notes and link to it but picture a circle. And at the center of that circle is another circle. Mm -hmm. And then on the outer ring, there's four divided sections. So, okay. So it's divided up in four with a bullseye in the middle. And again, we'll include this, but let's start with the first staff commitment. Let's start with that first one, Don. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, The first staff commitment is to live wisely. And I just think this is... This is what we see out of thriving staff members: is that they have this wisdom about them. Uh, it's not necessarily intelligence, or they can pass the math test and have the highest ACT score. It's like this wisdom that they have in them, and even like a great verse, Proverbs eight eleven: for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. And so, we want our staff member. Just think of every every staff member is pursuing wisdom. And the way that we talk about wisdom is really in three layers. We talk about uh, godly wisdom, and so we want every person on our staff to start their day by talking to God, uh, studying his word, and really studying the heart of God. We want them to be in tune with God's heart. And then the second is Eaglebrook wisdom, is we want them to know their supervisor's heart, and then we also want them to really know that their their team's heart, too, so that they're resonating with their supervisor's heart, their team's heart. And then finally is to protect their own heart and to know, and we call that personal wisdom. And so that's how we want people to make sure that they're taking their time away. We wanna make sure that they're growing in character, competence, and chemistry. And so we have godly wisdom on the bottom of that, Eagle Brook wisdom, and then personal wisdom. And if somebody's pursuing wisdom within those three areas, we've started to see that they can start to thrive here. One last caveat I'll add to that is when, Somebody can know all the theological answers. Somebody can be great at their job. They can be a world-class, name it, musician, speaker, pastor. And at the end of the day, if they don't have Eagle Brook wisdom, where they're ticking off their supervisor and the team that they work with, we now call that petting the cat backwards. You know, if they're going to pet the cat backward, they're probably not going to thrive in this organization. And it's so critical that people understand their supervisor's heart, the organization's heart, and then they resonate with that and the best we can do to let people know about that as early as possible even before they get the job is ideal for us so having people understand uh wisdom-based leadership which is what we often talk about it here so critical to being successful at this at this in this culture
0: yeah here's the thing you can create policies yeah you can create rules you can have all the guidelines but if people don't have wisdom, that's what we want people to operate out of. People okay. will break policies. People will forget rules. <laughs> happens all the time. They have to have wisdom to be able to navigate the complexities of life, ministry, the organization that they're a part of, um, so that they can be a great staff member at whatever organization they're a part of. But that's here right. at New Church, those are well, three wisdoms.
1: Well, and you just about. said that word complexity, and we operate in a very complex environment. I mean, a multi-site where we have campuses now spread all throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, and we have the central office, and they're all trying to communicate to each other and trying to be on the same page, that's very complex. And so we all need to be seeking wisdom and in the way that we operate with each other.
0: Well, let me talk about the second one. Second staff commitment that we want to make towards each other is to lead boldly. Acts 1-8, which has taken on a new life in our church in this last season, says this, you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, which might be right here in our own city, throughout yeah. Judea and Samaria, maybe that's in our state and and throughout the country, and to the ends of the earth, um, across the entire globe. And if we're going to do that, which Jesus has commanded us to do, asked us to be a part of, we have to learn how to lead boldly, and our mission really drives this boldness. We're empowered by God to reach people for Christ. And once we're empowered by God, if we have that wisdom to navigate, as you said, the complexity of our church, the world, ministry, all of those, I mean, it's a complex world that we're leading in these days. We want to take on big challenges that require big faith because it produces big results. And so we encourage innovation, We encourage innovation within God's leading and prompting to do whatever it takes to reach those people who are far from God. And so we will boldly do whatever it takes to help others follow Jesus, teach them uh, the values that we've talked about, the values of spending time with God, connecting them in community, helping them serve others, challenging them to live generously. And so that boldness can be a scary thing in an organization, can't it? Mm -hmm. When you tell someone, who's a young whippersnapper <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> to be bold. Yeah. And you just got out of college and God's put this monster dream on your heart. You go and be bold. You go and lead boldly. Right. Um, what's a potential pitfall of leading boldly that you've seen over the years at Eagle Brook Church?
1: Well, it's, it's back to the wisdom thing. I mean, if they lead boldly and it's outside, sometimes we even use the phrase banks of the river, you know, if it's not in line with your supervisor, when, this is one of my more recent thoughts on this, is that if you're going to do something innovative, which we love innovation, by the way, some people think, oh, is there innovation in an organization your size? Yes, there is. But you probably have to check off with three people. That's my, my newest phrase. I don't Minimum. Even, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if I said that to you yet. But I, I really think you should have your supervisor in mind from this campus world that I'm a part of. You need to make sure that the central team is a part of it. And then you probably need to make sure a third person, and then let's innovate. And a lot of times you get a yes. Uh, what can go wrong is when somebody leads boldly, like you were just saying, and they didn't check off with three people. And this is always a detriment if they say, like, I hope so-and-so doesn't find out about this. <laughs> that should be a sign. If somebody from Central learns about this, I'm going to be in trouble. Then you should probably have a flag go off with that. You know. So, but, but if you lead with wisdom, then I think we come alongside people that have innovation. And we want that to, we want them to lead boldly. Absolutely. And we,
0: we, um, are a very focused church. We're a very focused organization period. I mean, you compare us to any, any organization out there, we're very focused. And so in that boldness and innovation, you're going to be told no a lot. My story was when I came on staff almost 10 years ago, and I think you hired me, Don, um, I was that young whippersnapper. I had all kinds of dreams and thoughts and ideas. I tell people that I was told no 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, truly 90% yep. of my ideas were, oh, we love you, John. That's a great idea, but no. <laughs> yeah, right. And that could have discouraged me. Yep. It, it actually didn't mm-hmm. because what those people would say was, here's why. It's not going to work in our culture, and it's not because of the reasons you hear of, oh, that's been done before, yeah. or no, I don't think we want to take that chance. It just it lacked wisdom. I didn't have enough Eagle Brook wisdom to take those bold, innovative risks. Um, it didn't discourage me. It learned how to refine my boldness, and now I feel like I'm headed in the right direction when I have some of those bold ideas. And so we often want people to ask themselves, am I relying on God? Because he's the one who's going to give us this boldness, this innovation to take on big challenges because it produces big results. That's always been a part of our DNA. Mm -hmm. We have taken lots of bold risks and we want our staff to take those bold risks when they come on board.
1: That's right. Well said. Let's talk about the
0: third staff commitment. Don, why don't you frame this up for us?
1: Yep. Third staff commitment is called Make It Better. And... Uh, we often say that we are a high feedback culture and that, that is true. Now, what's interesting is I sit through a lot of interviews now in this role and you often ask people, tell us about a time that you received difficult feedback and what'd you learn from that? And probably more people than not say, I've actually never been given feedback. And then a lot of people say after that, like, I wish I got feedback, uh, but a lot of people say, I haven't had that. And then we often say, well, if you come on board, you, you will get feedback here. We, we all do. It's just a part of our culture. And I would say it's because we want everybody to win. I mean, we, we're cheering for people. And I know when somebody cares for me, they, they want me to get better. So here, here's a little example of how much we are a make it better kind of culture. I forget if I even told you the story, but I was at a huddle not too long ago where somebody was telling their story who recently came on staff. And they were just saying how they came on board and they said it really well and they were well prepared. And then they used a little bit of internal language that, that you and I would know because it was Eagle Brook language, but it wasn't necessarily something everybody else would know. And so after the huddle, I approached this person I will new on staff. And I was a little nervous about giving feedback about, it was a two minute introduction, maybe 90 seconds. I mean, (laughs) is it okay to give feedback on a 90 second introduction? I think it is. I don't know. I don't know, but I did. So (laughs) I just said, Hey, you, I, everything you said made me believe you and you were credible. And I actually wanted to get to know you more after you even gave your introduction, but you used one phrase that I'm not sure everybody understood and because I know you're going to give your introduction a hundred more times in the next 30 days, you just might want to disclaimer that and let people know what that phrase means. And I think your introduction would even be better. And she received it really well. She, I think she had the sense of, I'm with her, I'm for her, I want her to get the most out of this. But it is all in the heart of, we just think we have the greatest mission on the planet. And so let's be as efficient. Let's be effective. let's be, Let's be at our very best. In stewarding this mission that God has blessed us with. Yeah, we believe excellence
0: honors God. Not perfection. Right? Not perfection. And we're not striving for that perfect experience, but we do believe excellence, our best, honors God. And so we're gonna strive for that in almost every single area uh, that's a part of our church. And so we often ask, you know, am I pursuing excellence with this authenticity too? Because you gotta be who you are naturally wired to be. Um, So am I pursuing that excellence by asking for feedback and through teamwork too? Because we're not going to be best alone. We're going to be better
1: together. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Such an important part of who we are, all with the right motives though, of wanting to steward this mission that God's blessed us with. So John, why don't you convert over to commitment number four? Yeah. I
0: think it's so important to talk about this one next in light of just talking about making it better. We have had seasons- at our church, I think you remember some of these seasons, Don, where we were so committed to excellence and making things better that we forgot this four-staff commitment along the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the heart of who we were during that season, we did try to live this out, but we didn't articulate it well. And this four-staff commitment um, is also um, a a part of our purpose here as the church, but is to love each other, love each other. Now, I know that can be Christian- cliche a little bit. Yeah. Of course, we're supposed to love one another. But but we have to remember that our value is found in who we are in Christ, not just in what we do. So, of course, we work hard. Of course, we offer feedback. Of course, we want to get results. But it is even more important to love each other while we're doing it. So, there's going to be conflict have you ever experienced a conflict here in our church? Uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have had some. Right? There was, I, I'm remembering just a, a couple months ago, I said something that was a little bit offensive through a text. By the way, you never answer your phone, so I'd love to talk to you no, sometimes. I, but
1: I don't want to talk on the phone.
0: And I was probably agitated, tired, um, you know, all those excuses. But I said something that wasn't very loving and you called me on it. And my response could have been defensive, and I'm not trying to make myself the hero here. Um, but I've this 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 commitment is so ingrained into who we are that my first response was not defensiveness and it might have been several years ago, but it was to say, I'm sorry. Man, that was not loving. Ultimately, I love you and I want the best for you. So of course I want to get better in that area. And that's important for all of our staff to commit to one another. Yeah. About, Of course, this comes from Jesus' greatest commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You must love others as yourself. That's equally important, he says. So we ask, am I loving others in the same way that Christ loves us? I mean, this is just a fun little anecdote, but um, a recent study has shown that over half of U.S. employees leave jobs, not because of what they do, Mm -hmm. but who they work with and for. They just don't feel like others value them. Mm -hmm. And so we want people within our culture to feel valued. Today's workforce has more opportunities than ever before. They are not going to stay at a place for long where they don't feel loved and valued. And again, like I I mentioned earlier, we've gotten a lot better at this. We're not perfect. Um, There were some darker days where we forgot to love each other like Christ loved us, but I think we're doing a little bit better at this as a staff culture. What do you think one of the greatest challenges is to loving each other well?
1: Oh, well, I think, I mean, think about what we've already talked about. You're living with wisdom, you're leading boldly, you're you're giving each other feedback. It's complex. It's a feedback culture, it's complex. Uh, are we gonna bump into each other? Yes.
0: Oh, and the spiritual aspect of things. Yeah,
1: of course. <laughs> Add that layer in as well. There's an enemy that doesn't want this to succeed. And so are we gonna bump into each other? Of course we are. And and that's just part of our culture, but let's love each other through it. And even the Matthew 18, let's go one-on-one with each other. Let's not tell other people about that, which can even happen in our culture where you rally other people against a certain cause or person. And let's not have that be any part of our, of our culture here. Let's always go one-on-one with somebody. If we have an issue with somebody, let's work to uh, resolve that as soon as possible. And then let's be very gracious with each other. Even a phrase I've been using is let's assume the best. I yeah, mean, true. sometimes something's been given to you and you're like, that was a terrible idea. They're doing it to me on purpose. That's right, that's <laughs> right. And then let's just go, No, they want this to win as much <laughs> yes, as you do. Right. Everybody wants it to win around here. And so let's just assume the best. Let's start with that assumption. Yeah, absolutely. And then if it's not quite right, let's talk about it. And then let's make sure that we're doing our best to love each other, be gracious, forgiving, kind with each other all the way through. Those are four of the five staff
0: commitments now. And mm-hmm. if you're picturing this with us, um, wherever you're listening from, those are the four staff commitments around the outer ring. Let's talk about the center of the bullseye there. What's that fifth and final staff commitment done?
1: Yeah, uh, own the mission is at the center of this visual that we have. It's probably one of the greatest commitments that I would say we have, and we see it in thriving staff members, is that they don't just get the answers right. They actually live by it. One of my fears with our well-stated vision culture and even documented staff commitments is that people can fill in the blanks and actually forget to feel something about that or own it at an emotional level or on a personal level. And then they can just almost uh, intellectually uh, say those things are right, but not live them out in their lives. So people that thrive on this staff own the mission. One of the things we say is we're compelled more than anything else to reach people for Christ. Which is our mission. That's right. That's the mission. We're unapologetic about growing this church. We plan for it, we anticipate it, and we go after it. And I think most churches talk about reaching people for Christ. Uh, It's on a list somewhere or maybe even on a wall, but we actually do it, I mean, with everything inside of us. It's what we are so vigilant about is reaching the lost. And because I was that lost person at one time, you were a lost person at one time. Our neighbors were a lot. Our kids were lost people at one time. Our parents or kids or relatives or neighbors are lost or know somebody who's lost. And we all want them to have marriages that are restored or families that are uh, living together on the same page, enjoying life together and souls that are redeemed. I mean, that's what we want to be a part of. And so we believe that people that thrive at this campus, they have this Luke 15 mindset. They believe a lost coin, lost sheep, lost son, and then they're going to do anything they can about that. They have this Matthew 28 kind of lifestyle. Go and make disciples out of all nations. Even Acts 1:8, 8 like we were talking about, be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We just believe that the mission we're a part of is this expanding, reach as many people as possible for the, for the cause of Christ. And so you have to own that. And it really goes to the five values that we talked about in our vision culture, too. We believe that those five values should be evident in somebody's life where they are following Jesus, they are spending time with God, they're connected community, they're serving others, and they're living with generosity. And you start putting those in you, you're going to succeed in our culture. And those are the people that we see to be successful on our staff in the past, and I would assume in the future as well.
0: Yeah, one of the ways I've always thought about this is that our this is modeled from the top, by the way, our senior leaders. Yeah. They never ask another person, a tender staff otherwise, that they aren't willing to do themselves. So if they're challenging people to invite, they're owning that themselves. So rather than starting with, who are you inviting from the very top, our senior leaders, and I hope that you and I model this as well, we right. ask, who am I inviting? right how am I giving generously? Mm -hmm. How am I serving others? Mm -hmm. How am I connecting in community? And it really does start with us because if I'm not doing those things, how can I possibly ask others to own the mission? And we want all of our staff to look internally first to own the mission themselves so that they can invite others into that mission as well. And there's, you know, there, there, there's opportunities for us to get distracted by other things. Mm-hmm. And I've heard Bob say it this way. If you focus on the ministry, you'll lose the mission. But if you focus on the mission, you'll have incredible ministry. And you'll what I think he have, means by that right? is that ministry are all those things that we do. But at the heart of it is the mission. We want to reach lost people. We want to see people come into a transforming relationship with
1: Jesus. Perfectly said.
0: So, as we're closing, those yeah. are our five staff commitments. And we've talked about living wisely, mm-hmm. making things better, leading boldly, loving each other, and owning the mission. Mm-hmm. I'd love to ask this for our listeners, for people who aren't a part of Eagle Brook Church, and maybe they're a part of an organization, maybe they're a part of Eagle Brook, and they are also a part of an organization mm-hmm. or their family or wherever they're a part of. Um, how can you build a great culture? Mm whether it's a staff, team, maybe even family, what can those people do to build a great culture?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I I do think if anybody were to learn anything from us, apparently you put a few people in a room, you lock the door and say, figure this out. And the question that I thought was a great one is, let's think of a successful uh, staff member or many successful staff members. What are the attributes? What are the commitments of that person and so Eddie Eaglebrook is crushing it as a staff member. What's Eddie doing? Oh, that's right. Well, he's working with wisdom and he's you know, loving other people and he's making it better. He's leading boldly, and yes, I guess he owns the mission and he's doing exactly what we would want every person to do, not just staff member, but an attender as well. And so maybe even just listing out those kind of attributes, this is what a successful person does who's been successful in the past and we believe will be successful in the future. And then, I mean, for us, this might even sound a little over detailed, but you have to create something that's sticky, you know, like this visual that we have. I mean, we, we have it uh, on a card that's sitting right in front of you right now. I mean, we have it on a web page. We try to let people know about it before they come on staff.
0: When people join our staff, they get those five cards that's that right. are artistically done, and they're supposed to rotate through on your desk in the nice yeah. little wooden. Do you still have those on your desk? Not? No, I don't. I don't okay, no, I well, we'll have should. to get you a copy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're right. Those are the kind of things, so those tools... Just make a big difference.
0: We also talk about all staff meetings. I mean, we make it a commitment to rotate through our our big all staff for all of our staff meetings to rotate through those commitments at least twice a year. I mean, at least twice a year, we're talking about uh, one staff commitment.
1: I met with the uh, campus pastors yesterday and we talked through the five staff commitments. I literally spent five minutes. I mean, seven minutes just running through Here's the five things that we're all committed to as a staff. I mean, it's just part of our language. It has to become part of your language if you want it to be a culture- setting, uh, language for you.
0: Well, we hope that no matter what, what you're leading, what you're a part of, that you are a part of a great staff or team culture. And if you're not, maybe there's some ideas in here that you can help bring back to your organization or your church. But for us, that's all we got for this episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. We believe to our core that when leaders get better, the church gets better. And our hope is that no matter how or where you lead in the church, that you will continue to grow in your abilities so that your church will reach more people for Christ. So thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast.